Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Here at Sakara, we utilize and value both science and spirit in all that we do, whether it's creating new meals for our nutrition program or sharing new educational content with all of you. It's really important that we incorporate both to help us all shine our lights a little brighter. So today, I'm so excited to be sitting down with Ainsley McLeod to discuss who our souls are and where they come from and how we can uncover our inner being. Ainsley McLeod is an internationally acclaimed past life psychic, spiritual teacher, and award-winning author of The Instruction, The Transformation, and most recently, his new book, The Old Souls Guidebook. His work specializes in exploring past lives to reveal your life's purpose. And today we'll be discussing how we can all reach our full potential as human beings through the examination of our past lives and uncovering the essence of our souls. I really enjoyed having this conversation. We actually dug in a little bit into my own past life as well as my past life relationship with Danielle. So I hope you find this one interesting. (laughs) We're so happy to have you on the Sakara Life podcast today. I think what you do is really interesting. And so I'm excited to be speaking with you. Well, I'm excited to to get the opportunity to to share. Here on the Sakara Life podcast, we like to start our first question with asking our guests what their purpose is here. And I think this ties in so much to what you do and what you talk about and what you help other people do. So Ainsley, what do you feel like your mission here is on earth? Well, my purpose is to really, the the narrow focus of the work that I do is really to look at people's past lives to help them to really live a better life now. So it's, uh, you know, healing, healing a lot of the trauma that we carry from, from our soul's past and when you do that, it really helps you to sort of leap forward without fears, blocks, limiting beliefs, all sorts of things. My sessions every day when I'm working with people, they're all around that, you know, sort of helping. The usual question I get from people is, well, what's my life's purpose? And it was something that always fascinated me. You know, I've, when I was younger, long before I did this kind of work, I was always questioning if I was doing the right thing, if I'm on track and and I realize now I sound like most of my clients, you know, you want to make say, sure. I feel like that's such a question that everybody asks, yeah, right? Yeah. Is, what am I doing? Am I headed down the right path? Right. So that's what you work with your clients on. Yeah. A lot of times people are reluctant to, to embark on a path if they're not really sure it's the right thing to do. So a lot of what I do is give people validation. Uh, well, I find that a lot of people I work with are, are already kind of close to doing what they should do. I mean, I very rarely have to drag somebody from way over there to where they should be. It's like, usually it's just about getting them a little bit more on track. But I often find that when I'll, I'll say to somebody, well, you know, it looks like your life purpose here is to, I don't know, to be an acupuncturist. And they, the person will say, oh, you know, I've always thought about that. I've, you know, wanted to do that. I, I was thinking about taking a class. And that's where I think the validation comes in to be able to say, yeah, there's something that's consistent with your your life plan. It's supported by your spirit guides. Your soul wants to do it. And very often it's completing something from another lifetime as well. Interesting. A lot of us are doing that. Yeah, we, we have unfinished business. You have a bit of that if you would like to hear about it as well. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I would love to get into that. Yeah. Sure. Let's, we can dive into that. I was going to ask you how you 
got into doing this and how do you help people discover their life's purpose? Maybe if you want to talk to me a little bit about that, we can use sure, it as an yeah. example. I got into this about 20 years ago and I kept hearing from psychics uh, that I was psychic and should be doing something with the ability. But I really, I, I thought being psychic was something other people did. You know, I didn't feel like, certainly didn't consider myself to be psychic. Looking back, of course, I realized I had all these experiences in, in the past that uh, when I was growing up, things that were precognition, really. Or like what even kind what, of things? I would know what songs were coming on the radio. That was one. You know, I could, I could tell sort of like a minute before what the next song would be. Not all the time, but, you know, quite frequently. And usually when I wasn't really focusing on it. There's a couple of times where, one in particular, where I picked up the newspaper at the door one morning and I thought, oh, this is incredible. They've printed exactly the same story from a week ago. <laughs> like, I, And I'm thinking, because I never, I was never thinking it's precognition. I'm just mm -hmm. thinking, oh, my God, heads are going to roll. You know, that somebody's going to lose their job over this. And it was quite weird. Little things like that that, I ne that now I know were all part of, you know, being psychic. But I never considered myself to be psychic. It, it was only after I had a an experience. I talk about this a lot because it was really this was monumental for me. And it was, mm. I was on a trip to Hawaii and I ran into my uncle in a, in a bookstore. At that point, he'd been dead for about 10 years. So it was a little bit of a shocker. And he had, a, <laughs> this is actually, it came just after I'd had a session with a psychic there who had said something about, you know, your uncle John, he want, you know, he wants to work with you. He's a spirit guide. And I'd heard that from psychics and the skeptic in me was going oh yeah everybody's got an uncle john you know it's like mm -hmm. uh, sure you know and he was i mean i was a non-believer back then and he was a non-believer so i was kind of thinking he's the last person i think would be a spirit guide but of course everything <laughs> changes when you actually go over to the other side so he appeared to me just momentarily it was about a foot away on the side just for a moment but real and it <laughs> really got my attention and he had a very clear message the message was kind of longer but it was about you know we need to work together and so I, I gave it a few days and then I thought well psychics keep telling me I can do this so I thought and my uncle wants to talk to me so I just sat down and said okay you know are you there and uh, I was very surprised to find that I could get something it was very very rudimentary in the early days it was not a deep connection, but over the years, you know, over time, I just... And what do they sound like or feel like? How do these messages come to you now? They describe it as clear audience, but it's not like... Um, I mean, I knew a psychic in, in England who he literally would... It was like a voice in his ear. He'd be sort of turning, going, what? What? Okay, I'll tell him. It's kind of like, you know, he's really very auditory. And for me, it's more like a... It's like a knowing, but it's also... More like sensing? Well, it's, it's, I get whole sentences in mm. my head. So, and in that moment, there's nothing, there's no space for anything else. It's a bit weird, but I know it's coming from the guides because that's all I've got. It'll be something like, you know, past life in Norway, such and such, you know, and that's all that's in my head in that moment. And uh, working with spirit guides, I've been doing it now for 20 years or so. And the method is, it, it's a little faster than it was. And uh, we have a lot of little code phrases, you know, things that they mm. will, things that come up regularly. So they could tell me one word and it'll speak a thousand, you know, so I can extrapolate from there. And is it the same spirit guides that are speaking to you all the time? Or do you no. get new ones? No, it's, I get sort of upgrades. Yeah, it's kind of being, being a bit weird. People are always asking me, who are my spirit guides? And the spirit guides themselves don't seem to be that bothered with who are we? It's the names aren't very important. I know the names of maybe a couple of my guides, but, uh, or, you know, ones that I knew on this on this plane. Mm. But otherwise, they just are not. It doesn't seem to matter much to them as long as I still I, talk to your just uncle identify John? them. Yeah. No, I haven't talked to my uncle for a long time. He he passed me on to this other level of spirit guides. So I was talking to him. You know, the freshly dead, as it were, or, or on the astral plane. It's where you go to. You go between lives to prepare or, or to to process whatever you had and then plan for the life ahead but there's another level beyond that so I'm, I'm hooked into those spirit guides so he passed me over very quickly to to them and they're on the, they call it the causal plane they have a bigger picture you know like a, a their perspective is different they can see 
the past lives, see where you've been, where you're going, and the connections with, with other people, because that's a big part of what we're all doing. Sorry to interrupt, but is there focus on the lives of the living and these souls, or is there something else that they're doing while they're out there and then they come and talk to you? And are they talking to other people? Right, like what are spirit guides doing? Yeah. Yeah. I did forget to answer the first part of the question, which was, I have had a change in spirit guides. Or I wrote my first book. They just said one day, okay, take a vacation, like four days, five days or something. I can't remember. And in that period, I couldn't couldn't access them at all. Mm. And then when they came back in, they had a different feel. Sort of went from British English to American English or vice versa. I can't remember. But it definitely felt a little the language is a little bit different. Well, just curious about what are the guy, your, what are they doing? Yeah, where you you talked about this astral plane and this, yeah. you know, kind of this transition zone between right. a previous life and their next life, mm-hmm. and then you said there are also other spirits that are not in this transition zone, and I'm really curious about just your thoughts and beliefs around this. What are they doing out there? Are they focused on human life or are they doing something else? The spirit guides who have been, they've all been through the process of life on earth and come to the end of it. The ones I work on anyway, they don't work with, they're not coming back. They're sort of done with all the the lies. But it does mean that they've been on a physical plane. They know what we're up against. They're very, very compassionate. And so when they're not talking to me, they seem to have plenty to do. Like they don't ever seem to worry about about that. They do joke about it. They they often say, you know, they wish more people were using them because they're saying like we're standing by, we never sleep, we work 24-7. So mm. I think from what I get from the spirit guys is they would love everyone to be making a deeper connection. People are always asking me, do do we all have spirit guides? Do I have spirit guides? And the answer is yes, we all have them. And they say no, no one's cast adrift without them. It's just we don't we don't always either know we got them or take the time to kind of say hi. And so how do we start tapping into spirit guides and what do we tap into them for? Uh huh. Well, I think the key to communicating with the spirit world is tranquility. It's getting that inner harmony and, and external as well. I was able to do it at the time I was living in a houseboat in uh, Northern California and it was very, very quiet. And it was the first time in my life that I hadn't had craziness around. I just always been around a lot of noise and drama. And so this was the first time in my life I think I'd really been in a settled state and able to really communicate with the other side. But I I think it all starts with meditation, Mm. calming the mind, and of course, having a tranquil environment around you. You know, we, we live such noisy lives and often talked about how we, you know, we get up in the morning maybe with the, the radio on and then we maybe have the TV on, there's people chatting and then we have the radio on the car when we go to work and then there's work and there's people and if we reverse come the whole thing, coming back home, coming back, there's TV on, people chatter. You get to about midnight and it's, it's time for bed and you're wondering why you can't connect with your spirit guides, but they're standing by. They often say, use us. You know, we're so we're saying, look, we want to work with you. I think they have a greater awareness of the potential because they see it a bit more clearly from their side. Mostly here, we're not even sure if we have spirit guides. But the important thing is to get, when your life is so full, noisy, it's not the fault of the spirit guides. You need to create, give them you know, the opportunity to work with you. I completely agree. Yeah, it's those moments sometimes when you're, when you've calmed your mind or you've switched off, that's often when they can get through. You know, even deceased relatives sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm not a medium, so I don't talk to the, the freshly dead, as it were. But I and a lot of other people have had these, this experience of somebody coming through, like from the other side, you know, relative, you know, your deceased mother or grandma or whatever, coming through when you're doing something mundane, like it's chopping carrots in the kitchen or <laughs> drawing some dishes. And you're kind of like, you're sort of a little bit out of it. There's nothing, no reason to really focus too much on what you're doing. And that slightly altered space is often where they go, oh, right, I can come in and say hi. But meditation is a bit more, I guess, getting into the, the, the routine, the habit. I always say there's not a, there's no spiritual practice worth its salt that doesn't say meditation is important. You know, I think everyone agrees. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. For sure. And and we talk about even bringing awareness to what your inputs are 
we're talking about this busy life running around and the radio and all of these things. And it's important to recognize what voices you are listening to. And maybe it's also making a choice to make time to listen to different ones, right? To listen to those spirit guide voices instead yeah, of... absolutely. You know, I think it can really help if you almost like take it a bit more seriously, you know, if kind of... You know, sometimes when someone is really struggling to connect, the, mm-hmm. the kind of advice that I'll get from the spirit guides is to maybe create some kind of ritual, you know, find a, a particular space, regular time to check in with your spirit guides, light a candle, light some incense. Those things can work because we've had, all of us have had lives as a contemplative somewhere. You know, so imagine there's a past life in a monastery in Tibet, for example, then you have those, the soul has those associations with the smells and the, it can be gentle music from a wind chime or, I mean, it can be all those little things, but certainly sense. That's why incense and candles seem to work very, very well. People kind of intuitively know that that's a way to, to calm down and connect because that was how it was you know, 500 years ago in, in the monastery where you lived. So having some kind of ritual, I think, is maybe an altar. You know, and the ritual doesn't have to be much. I mean, I have clients who will just, they'll do like a 30 seconds of centering, maybe make a pot of tea or something, you know, part of the ritual when they sit down to, you know, so it makes it more of an occasion in a way. You know, it's not very easy for the spirit guides to connect if you're sort of dashing out the door somewhere and going, oh, hey, spirit guides, by the way, I forgot to, uh, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, when there's just too much going on, it's really, really hard to hear that small, still voice. Right. That makes sense. And so you work with your clients to help them uncover their purpose or people can work with their own spirit guides to uncover their soul's purpose. That sounds so important and so huge. How do we know that our soul has a purpose and how do we start to tune into that? Well, what I understand is that every soul has a purpose. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years, like I say, and, and uh, I haven't come across anyone yet who, who doesn't have a purpose here. I mean, sometimes people don't feel they've got a, much of a purpose and they don't know what it is, but you're here for a reason. And what I do, the, the really pretty much the first thing that I do when I'm working with somebody is look at the personality that you chose for this incarnation, because that, we, we change that each time we come here, depending on what's coming up. You know, I pointed out my most recent book that uh, you wouldn't wear flip-flops to climb Mount Everest and you wouldn't wear climbing gear to, to spend a day on the beach. So whatever your soul has planned for you will be reflected in the personality that is chosen. And your, your entire personality is chosen for each journey. So it changes each time you come here. And so I go back and I find that. And then just looking at the elements of somebody's personality, then it's pretty easy to tell what maybe what the major themes are. Maybe you can tell some of the blocks, some of the big fears that they're going to be continually running into, you know, self-sabotage or something. And for example, you wouldn't choose to be a leader type in your personality if you weren't going to lead somebody mm. or if, you know, to performer, which you learn mm-hmm. over. You, all of these traits and behaviors are learned from previous lifetimes. So to be a performer soul type, for example, you have past lives as a singer, dancer, actor, you know, you're in the spotlight. And then you you might choose that in this life because you want to be a podcaster or you want to be, you know, reaching out to people, really connecting. I'll, I'll see it in people in sales, for example, not just actors and singers, but it always implies that you are you you want to be seen and maybe are trying to get over some fears around that as well. And that's interesting because I sometimes talk about how I feel like my past jobs that I've had in life and experiences have all given me the tools and experiences that I needed in order to build Saqqara and to be where I am today. I'll come across certain challenges and I'll flash back to moments in my life that something happened and it was a challenge, but it gave me a tool that now I can access to fix this problem today. And I never thought about perhaps past lives where I was gathering tools to give me what I need to be here today. That's exactly how it works, though. All talents are past life uh, related. 
So whatever talent you have in this life, you've, you've developed it somewhere. You'll see crazy examples of that on YouTube. You see the sort of six-year-old incredible guitarist or something. They, they, they didn't learn to play that way, you know, in the six years of being on the planet. They're bringing in something from, from previous lifetimes. So whatever abilities you have, again, these can be easily identified, and they're usually compatible with the soul types, with the personality that you've chosen too. So I think a lot of times we we look for to try and understand who we are by looking back into childhood, and I think that's great. I think very very useful. But if you stop there, you're never going to get all the answers because you're that's you know what you see in this life is the the tip of the iceberg, but you've got all these past lives beneath there, affecting you in very subtle ways sometimes. And in your book, you talk about a soul's age and a soul's type. And with age, you're talking about how many times we've been on earth. Right. Yes. Basically how many, how many incarnations you've had. Right. And, and you explain that when you are new and you're fresh, you come in and you need to learn things that are a little bit more simple before you can get to something much more complex. Right. Yes. You wouldn't want to have too too complicated a life. I always liken it when you've come here the first time, you know, you're a brand new soul. I don't know if you've ever been to a party where you don't know anybody and you're kind of, you kind of walk in and, you know, you feel a little bit self-conscious or a little bit awkward and everybody else seems to know each other. They're sort of very easy with each other and you're kind of feeling a little little anxious. It's kind of like that for the soul that comes in. Everybody else seems to know how to behave. And the soul has to learn. You know, you're here to learn to be human. So in the first few lifetimes, you are just learning to, you know, just basic survival stuff and just how to how to be in a body. And so we're here to learn how to be human. Why? Have you figured that out? <laughs> well, there is a point, there, there is a point, you know, so when, when I'm working with my spirit guides, you know, so I can ask them, I'll say, well, you know, why do we do this? What, you know, blah, blah, blah. There is a point where they go, look, yeah, this is just the way it is, you know, like, because I'm one of those, you know, what explainist to me, so, you know, why, why? And uh, so essentially what we do, we're part of a process that's going on throughout the universe all the time. Souls are coming in finding these bodies wherever they are. It could be any part of the universe. We're, we're far from alone, by the way. And uh, so the, the soul is part of a, a universal consciousness before it comes into the, the physical plane. But it's motivated to grow, and it can't really grow through just observing. I liken it to if you wanted to learn ceramics, is the, the example I always use, is that you, you, would, um, you could read all the books, you could watch videos, you know, you could talk to potters, but until you actually take a take a piece of clay and throw it and and make something, you don't really know what it's like. And it's it's similar, you know, with the soul. You have to come here, or it has to come to the physical plane somewhere to kind of roll up its sleeves and and find out what it is to be human. And that's where all the growth is from actually being here. So, and then in turn, all our experience is helping to raise the level of consciousness universally. Even you know it's. It's pretty cosmic. And this is happening over and over, you know, billions of times, just like it's in every part of the universe. Wow. That's really interesting. And so do you work with your clients to uncover their soul age and soul type and that type of thing? Yeah, that would be the first thing I do is to first of all, look at the soul age. There are 10 levels in all to make it kind of simpler. If you're an old soul, you've probably been here over 100 times you know, 100 plus incarnations. And how many on average would somebody incarnate? I'm told the numbers are around 110, 120. It's difficult because there's so much infant mortality in past lives that sometimes the guides will count, or maybe they wouldn't count if you you didn't make it beyond age three or something. Well, you never really got the chance to do the things you were meant to do, so they might not count that one. So yeah, it could be a lot more. It depends on if you count the very, very short ones as well. But you know, if, if the ones that where you would have at least made it into adulthood, probably 110, 120, just on average, you know, but we, we are all different. Some are fast learners, some are not. And then how does that go into the work that you do? Okay, you've identified the soul age and the soul type. And then what is the next step from there? 
Well, once I've done that, so I, I look at the soul age, it tells us how you fit into the world. And, you know, for most of my clients are level nine souls. So they're more on a spiritual path or looking for meaning. And usually a sense of spirituality over religion at, at that point as well. So once I've done that and looked at the complete personality, which is really made up of a combination of soul types, then I would usually look at fears and blocks and really see what's getting in the way of that person really being all that they can be. For example, if you have a fear of failure, it comes from past lives where you didn't make it. You didn't, they weren't successful lives. They're disappointing. Um, maybe you died young or you didn't get a chance to do the things that you were meant to do. And that will show up in this life sometimes as procrastination or a feeling of, you know, you can't really tap into the feeling of success. And so maybe you find a past life where that person died young or whatever. And when you find the source, when you find a past life, it's like the soul is waiting and it goes, oh, right, okay, it's a past life. We don't have to let any of this worry us anymore. You know, people ask me, well, isn't the soul aware of these things? And doesn't have, doesn't it have all the answers? And well, no, it doesn't. If, if it did, it wouldn't come here. What would be the point? It's here to to learn and grow. And, you know, um, it's, a, it's quite it's quite a slow process. And so you said that I still have business left to do. That's what you were saying earlier on. You have business left. You, you actually, uh, there's a little bit of fear of failure there. You have a fairly dramatic past life. A lot of people think they've they've been persecuted as a witch or something and to say, well, you know, it's kind of analogous to that or similar, but you you literally were. You were accused of sorcery in a past life. Interesting you say that because Danielle's done regressions as well. And, you know, Danielle's my co-founder and usually co-host on the podcast. She's out on maternity leave right now. But when she has done them, that was one of her past lives as well. So I wonder if we were witches together. Oh, maybe. Well, you know, that's another thing. People, souls are always trying to find, or at least old souls are trying to find members of the soul family. When you come into this world, you know, when you first come into the physical plane, you do it with a, a bunch of other souls. And then as you get to be an older soul, you want to keep connecting with the members of the family because it's easier to do, develop in, intimacy there can be a lot of trust because you've been there for each other in past lives. I'm sure you guys have that. And so, yeah, we're all the time re-meeting people. You know, that sense of familiarity that you get, yeah. you know, I feel like I've known you before. That, that's that Absolutely. sign. Absolutely. Sometimes okay, so the you... feeling of having each other's backs, that, that, that would be yes. a sign too. So you say I I was accused of sorcery. Yes, you were. And you know, I didn't get much on the past life just to say that uh, you ended up being hanged. And so that's going to create issues around the throat chakra. So one of the major goals for this life is actually self-expression. You're learning to really speak your truth, say what's on your mind. Um, I think the fact that we're talking today, there you are in front of a microphone and you're somebody who's trying to, your soul's trying to work through the self-expression thing. It's a great way to do it. It's really funny that you say that because I think if you would look at my upward or peer feedback just within our organization, Sakara as a business, mm -hmm. that has been feedback I've received over and over is to speak up, to use my voice more, to mm -hmm. not hold back my thoughts and speaking. And even on this podcast, I feel challenged right now without Danielle being here right? Yeah. To, to do this yeah. on my own, to speak up. So Yeah, well, it's a major lesson for this life. And so, you know, you'll just continue learning this. It will become easier and easier over time. And even just knowing about that past life will help. Because the problem with past lives is that your soul sees mind, body, and spirit as this this. Uh, trio and he can't separate those parts out very easily and so it's one of the reasons why if something happens to you physically you can get a spiritual malaise and so on or vice versa even so your soul doesn't die when you at the end of a lifetime your body and your mind they die and the soul goes off and does its thing on the, the astral plane but the soul is is alive throughout you know it's, it doesn't die so you might be on life 120 but your soul is on life number one and what we have to do is by finding the past life and just even just a few sentences, it can be enough 
to just remind the soul, it goes, oh, right, okay, so we don't have to worry about something happening again or don't have to be on high alert or whatever. Okay, thank you for reminding me. I'll let that go. Just a past life issue. Thank you. I always say it was like not with a bang, but with a fizzle. It's just the soul kind of going, oh, okay, all right. So we've had um, 40 years of panic attacks over public speaking. And we can let that go just like that because, oh, thank you for reminding me. It's a past life <laughs> issue. So yeah. it, it sometimes happens just instantly. I mean, I've literally had people heal from past life issues in the moment. Somebody I wrote about in my new book, she had been beheaded. And when mm. somebody's been beheaded, it looks a little bit like you've been hanged. There'll be a throat chakra issue, but you usually get pain in the neck and pain in the shoulders as well. Hanging is usually more just pain in the neck if there, if there happens to be any pain. And this person I found, she'd been beheaded. And I mentioned this. And I said, do you have any neck and shoulder pain. She said, oh, constant, 20 years of chronic pain, tried everything. Uh, she's a ballroom dance teacher. So she, she was describing how she has to sort of look around all the time. She's, you know, a lot of movement in the neck and shoulders. And literally, as we spoke, his soul was reminded that this was a past life thing. We talked about the past life where it happened. The pain lifted and it never came back. Wow. A couple of times where I've, I've given talks or workshops, and of course, everyone I work with is on the phone, so I don't know what they look like. And this person was, you know, I told the story and this person's going, hello, that was me. And yeah, pain's gone, stayed away. You know, so sometimes it can be as fast as that. Other times mm -hmm. people get big shifts over maybe days and weeks. It's usually, if, if, it, if there is a spiritual source, usually it will, it will start healing up pretty quickly once you remind the soul to to let it go. So there you you were being hanged in a, in a past life. There's some other issues that come up. Failure, the shortness of life. It's going to put some pressure on you to make sure, you know, like a feeling of like almost like there's not enough time or it's lots to do because you are making up for lost time. Mm -hmm. There's also rejection because you've got the community turning on you and dying, feeling alone or even abandoned by mm -hmm. God, humanity or whatever, you, you know, your belief was. And so, one weird little thing that I found is that I think almost everyone who's interviewed me, podcasters, all the ones I, I've looked at, all seem to have, be working through that fear of rejection. Because one great way to overcome that is to belong, but to take it to the highest level is to be the uniter. It's always to be the one creating space to bring other people together. And of wow. course, podcasters are all, they all seem to be doing that. It's like almost like a shared shared fear like the, the this fear of rejection so interesting because community is huge community is huge for yeah. sakara you right. know podcast is one piece of it but it's building community is something that we danielle and i both and our whole team think about all the time and how can yeah. we support our community and build more connection yeah, that's it i mean what because what you're doing is you're it's a spiritual act and a spiritual act is one where you heal yourself by helping those who suffer as you once did. So, in fact, the people that you're draw drawing in are those who need community. So, you're, you know, you're healing yourself. You're helping them. It's everyone's a winner. I love it. Interesting. And then I'll mention one thing. I hope Danielle doesn't mind that I mention this. But in one of her past life regressions that she's done, she saw that we were husband and wife. I was her husband and we were part of the gold rush that I had mm -hmm. convinced her to go out for the gold rush. And we ended up failing that there was no gold. Mm -hmm. And so I joke now that I'm in this lifetime trying to make it up to her, but I, right. but really I think it's maybe in a way making up for it by trying something different and to find our success. And I think it is what you're saying by servicing other people and fulfilling our own spiritual need and helping others to fulfill theirs. We're able to, to heal that. When you've steered somebody wrong in a past life, you, your soul will want to make up for it, especially if it contributes to the failure of that life or premature death or something like that. So then you find yourself impelled from within almost to to help, support, encourage, because you want the best for that person. You know, it's a little bit of guilt maybe coming in from the past life. And uh, so the, the agreement between souls is often that you will 
help that person have greater opportunity in this life because you limited the opportunities in the, the past life. It's the karmic pendulum just swinging from one, you know, one side to the other. Sometimes a bit of a an overcorrection as well. Yeah, and then is there a way to fix that karmic pendulum swing within the present life? Yes, that's the intention. Actually, it doesn't always work because sometimes when you have when there's a karmic relationship, there can be some resentment still. And I see it with sometimes it could be a, a mother and a child, and you know maybe they're they're trying to work through some karma and. They just can't get on, you know. It's just maybe the the souls just kind of go. Listen, what to tell you? What we'll work through this in another lifetime. Sometimes you just the 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 memories are just a little too fresh. But the intention is always to try to work through something, you know, as quickly as possible. You know, if if there's karma owed, then you know you don't want to leave it forever. I mean, part of that is your soul doesn't want to be reincarnating forever. Right. So it's always wanting to work through whatever whatever problem you've got, you know, whatever past life fear you have, the soul always wants to overcome it. It never wants to sit there and just go, well, hey, this is just the way we are, because you're you're not your fears. None of us mm-hmm. are. And that's the beauty of looking at your soul age, soul type, and influences and what's in your life plan, because that tells you the positive stuff. This is who you really are. You are not your fears. So when I'll be working with somebody on this, I'll say, well, maybe you should be a podcaster. And they would say, oh, but I have such a terrible fear of public speaking and being seen. Well, that doesn't mean that's not what you're meant to do. You know, it, that's the, the fear. Yeah. Once you get rid of the fear, then you can achieve so much more. If you don't have that small nagging voice telling you it's not safe to, to do something. But the interesting thing is, let, let's say you have a fear of public speaking, which is judgment in a past life leading to your death. So you get in front of people and you you freak out. Your soul your soul goes into fight or flight because if you you feels it's being judged, you know people are looking at you, judging you, and that's why it's such a big phobic thing for a lot of people. You know, got get on stage in front of an audience and they just freeze or they got to run. I used to have this. I mean, huge huge fear, and I I worked through it. Just I found a past life or a couple of past lives and dealt with it very very quickly that way. But I thought I would go to my my grave with that fear. I thought, you know, talking of this is just the way I am. I'd have identified myself by the fear, but that was not who I was. And, uh, you know, once I got over that. Does your soul have one purpose overall or just a purpose in this lifetime? Is the purpose just to have the human experience and learn each time? And and when does the soul know that it's finished here? Well, it, yeah, you're, you're learning to be human. So you you learn what your soul will try to do by the time you get to be a really old soul, it will have, it, it will want to have been in every part of the world, every permutation possible, because that's uh, that's how you learn. And what the spirit guide says that there is a point where you've got enough. It's enough experience. They're saying perfection is not the goal. Otherwise, we'd all be here forever. You know, we'd never get off the physical plane. So there's just is a point where you've got enough. If you think of it like for each life, there are goals or missions. Again, that's part of something I do in a session. What are you here to do? But there are also these kind of higher values that every soul is trying to achieve. And with the top one being love, you know, we're really all here to learn the, the importance of love and how to open our heart chakras to others. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's about loving yourself too. That's a very important thing. Yeah. I don't know if you've read any of the Kabbalistic beliefs and their mm. philosophies and theories on on this type of stuff, but it is very much the same. I would mm. encourage you to to pick up one of their books. Sure. Because it's just so interesting to me when we were starting Sakara, it started out with food and nutrition and wanting to heal our own bodies. And we started to look at all all different types of food philosophy. We looked at modern nutrition sciences and microbiome health. We looked at Ayurveda and what they were studying in India for thousands of years, what they were practicing there when it comes to nutrition and healing. We're looking at Taoism and how plates are, are balanced around the different types of tastes and lots of different things. And each culture and philosophy 
had their own theories on how food impacts the body and, and health. But when you stripped it down to really like, what is it and what are they saying? Most of them said a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. And so we started to pull those threads together to create our nutrition program. And it's so interesting hearing you talk about this and having studied some Kabbalah and having studied Judaism and Christianity and these different types of, and Buddhism, these different types of religions, if you call them, if you will. And there are, people are coming at it from different angles, but a lot of what is said is the same, that people who are not talking to each other come up with the same truth. Right. And it's so interesting to me that you're getting these downloads from your spirit guides and they're telling you these things that other people in a different part of the planet have also come to that same conclusion right exactly i think you find that you know to go back to what i said about meditation at the beginning that you'll see these themes like you know all spiritual or let's say all worthwhile spiritual teachings will will say yeah it's important to still the mind and i don't think any genuine spiritual teaching would say don't worry about the food you eat just eat anything it's uh it doesn't matter you know that you'll find that the common theme is that yeah you are what you eat or or you know some variation on that that uh it is actually very very important but would you ever call your spirit guides angels the term really doesn't matter when i first started working with them i said what do you want to be called and they said spirit guides i went okay well that's good enough but when Yeah. yeah People ask me about that. Angels, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter. It's just semantics. Exactly. And I think that's the point that I'm making here is maybe in this human experience, we can get so caught up in the words of what we're calling things or our own personal, I don't know, understanding or emotions around words that when really, if we can get down to the essence of what we're trying to communicate to each other there's there's so much more in yes. that the spirit guides will also say that they everything is happening on the other side is happening energetically so mm-hmm. we can't we literally as human beings on this solid planet here we can't really wrap our minds around what it'd be like to exist purely in spirit we talk about seeing something or the spirit guides talk about seeing something well you're existing as energy so you know you don't have eyes and the brain and exactly like like we do so what what they say is they just have to talk in metaphors just have to use language that we would understand Mm. so a lot of times as long as you it makes sense it doesn't matter to you know also there's just all different rivers that take you to the ocean you know it's like different ways of doing it but it's all all getting to the same sort of point yes well I truly have loved this conversation with you so much. When we were starting this podcast, Danielle actually had to convince me to start a podcast. I think it was one, I was concerned it was just going to be another thing on our to-do list and was feeling a bit overwhelmed. And two, maybe it was that fear of using my voice and Mm -hmm. speaking up like this. But how she convinced me was we're going to be able to sit down with incredible people and have amazing conversations that expand our minds and it's just going to be so enjoyable and this conversation really just has been one of those conversations that I've loved so much and I feel like I've I've learned from you and yeah that I, I feel like my mind is expanded just from this conversation it's wonderful well before we finish I would love for you to give our listeners a light work. And mm-hmm. as we mentioned before, that's a practice or a challenge or an exercise, something, a way to give our listeners a way to put what we've talked about today into action in their own lives to help them shine their lights a little brighter. Okay. So here is a, I think a wonderful exercise that uh, everyone should do. And it's fun. This should not be punishment or hard to do it's just have fun with it and this is something i put in my it's an exercise i put in my most recent book in the the old souls guidebook it's related to connecting you to your future you know we hear all the time about the importance of being in the moment and that is really important but 
souls need goals. They need things to things to look forward to and need to connect with your, your future. And so this exercise is a way to do that. It's also totally related to your, your purpose. So it's a written exercise and you bring your spirit guides in, trust that they'll be there, just ask, just say, I call upon my spirit guides acting in my highest interest, please help me to do this. And the exercise is, you know, the top of a Wikipedia entry, where, you know, like a Wikipedia mm-hmm. page where you get like an overview of somebody. Well, this is to write your Wikipedia entry from five years from now. What do you want people to know about you in five years time? So it's not getting, it's not the rest of the thing where it's all getting into detail, but it might be that in five years time, you want to be an author with your own healing practice or whatever. Well, that's where you put it, put it in. What would you want people, what do you, it's like, what do you want to be? doing yeah. in five years' time, but what do you want people to know about you? So there you go. It's your Wikipedia entry five years from now. Have fun with it. Amazing. I love that. And I just had someone on our team ask me to reflect on what type of leader do I want to be? And if somebody was to talk about me in the future, what would I want them to say? Mm. And so you are right there. I'm, I'm getting it from all sides. <laughs> there you go, right. Yeah. Needing to do mm-hmm. this practice. I love it. And I think it's so important to make the time to do that, to quiet down, to focus in on what you want for your future and what yeah. what would you like your purpose to be. And, when I first uh, started working in. with my spirit guides, there's something they said, I put this in my first book. They said, uh, People will spend, human beings will spend more time planning a Thanksgiving dinner than they will planning their entire life. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That just sinks it in right there. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ainsley, for this conversation. It's been a real pleasure. It's been been an absolute delight. I was going to say there's something else just you might be interested to know about related to that past life of yours. Yeah. That the, the spirit guys were saying that there's, this is the way they express it, but they talk about certain people having a humanitarian soul, and you've got one. And mm-hmm. what it means is that your soul is very motivated. There, there are elements in your life plan, your soul's life plan will help you to to achieve this, but it really wants to feel like you're creating a better world. And it relates to the past life injustice that you had there, that it's so unfair, you know, to be picked on, accused of something, you know, you're innocent of, and so on. So, it creates in the soul a real sense of right and wrong and justice and fairness. And usually you can see it when you were younger, you know, like as a child where you stomp your foot and everything's got to be fair. You know, you're getting bent out of shape because it's just not fair. And actually part of what you're doing in this life is to, you know, there's a part of you that really wants to create a fairer more and more just world as well. So that it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the future. Tell me if any if that doesn't make sense, but I would imagine there's I wonder if that's part of the reason why I'm surrounded by Libras. My mm-hmm. mother's a Libra, my sister's a Libra, my son that I just had is a Libra, my old roommate's ah. a Libra. And it's all these scales of balance. Maybe yes. that's helping me yeah, to I would I just thought there's something balance. there. I don't know anything about astrology, but these things mm-hmm. are, you know, I mean, the spirit guides have a lot of good things to say about, uh, you know, astrology and all different ways of just, yeah. uh, you know, understanding. So, yeah, I think if, if you find yourself surrounded by certain people, that as well can tell you a lot about what you're trying to work on. You've got a healer in you as well. So you'll have had lives where you were, this is the spiritual soul type, and you'll have had lives where you were priest, nun, contemplative as well. You know, it's all part of how you, you'll see people who are, um, spiritual types, they have the past lives as a healer, past lives as a contemplative, and uh, sometimes the two together. So I think that's really where it's coming from. It's like I'm getting the impression yeah. of, a, of, a, of a woman, it looks like a nun to me, and sort of having that sort of weird devotion. Sort of, yeah, that's sort of, yeah, like, you know, manifesting stuff. Your belief is so strong, you're, you're manifesting sure. in your body. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I feel like it's helpful in what I do in my life. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and that was a very old soul. Of course, it's going to help to, to really keep you on the, on the spiritual path. And one of the most important things is that you've got to make sure that you feel people are benefiting from what you do here. That's actually a major goal from that for this life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'd say that that's 
a bigger driver for me than monetary driver yeah. or anything like that. For an old soul, it really is. It's it. The, you know, older souls will they will give up a well paid job to do something that's that's meaningful. Especially yeah. with that fear of failure, because the failures, the you know, there's a point. Do you mind me asking how old you are? Thirty five. Yeah, I think because my birthday was in January. That's the first time I've said that as my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. you're you're just hitting. It's always in the mid thirties, you know that that you're really the soul's pushing through. Especially if you have that fear of failure, because it's looking at that five years from now thing. It's like you're going to be forty. So the soul is conscious of the decade markers, and it always wants to make sure, particularly at forty, that you're on track and you're doing mm-hmm. the right thing. And one of the major things for your soul is to make sure that it feels that you are changing people's lives for the better, that you're making a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you really, absolutely. you're one of these people, you want to get to the end of this life and feel like the world's a better place for you having been here. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's exactly really, it's it. a major mot- motivator. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And I think you're totally on track. You know, you're doing great, great things. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. And oh my gosh, my absolute pleasure. <laughs> this is great. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. In my conversation with Ainsley, he talked about how the mind, body, and soul are all connected and that they're not able to be separated in any way, that what you put into your body not just affects your physical but in a sense, it affects your mind and your soul. And so I thought that this Sakara story from Sarah in New York speaks a little bit to that and to her experience on how Sakara affects her mind, body, and soul. Here is Sarah's Sakara story. I started Sakara the same time I started seeing a therapist and an acupuncturist. I was going through a time in my life where I needed to heal and show myself love. Sakara completely changed my relationship with food and the way I treat my body. Eating has become a self-care practice. I no longer feel the need to diet, to deprive myself, or count calories, because through Sakara, I learned to eat whole foods that nourish my body and taste amazing. I feel more love, compassion, and appreciation toward myself and my body and feel more in tune with what my body needs to feel its best. Sakara has been an integral part of my healing journey. I truly believe that what we feed our body also feeds our soul. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Sakara Lights.